Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Today is Sunday, September 23rd, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, and episode 281 featuring Mass Live's Tom Westerholm is brought to you by ComBomb. Right now, my listeners, for a limited time, can get a ComBomb at a huge discount by going to their website, buybombshelpmoms.com, and clicking on the Indiegogo page. Today's show also brought to you by Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Every neighborhood has a heartbeat. A place that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core. In Boston's historic North End, that place is Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Boston Barber and Tattoo Company has become home to A-list celebrities like Gordon Hayward, Brad Marchand, and Aaron Baines. Boston Barber and Tattoo is more than just Boston's most well-known corner barber shop. It's also a tourist attraction for the hundreds of thousands of people who visit the North End throughout the year. Boston Barber and Tattoo, a North End landmark, located at 113 Salem Street. All right, I'm back with you. Thanks to Evan Valenti for filling in for me last week. Did a great show with Jared Weiss. If there's anything you want to know about the Jabari Bird situation, I encourage you to go back, listen to it. Tremendous detail that you won't find anywhere else, as well as a little bit of rumor starting. That's right, the Celtics Beat podcast got a whole lot of national attention. Jared saying that there's some mutual interest between the Seas and free agent veteran Jamal Crawford if, in fact, the Celtics wind up with a roster spot. We'll get to some of that a little bit later on with Tom Westerholm, but hey, we're excited, right? It's time. We're ready to go. Media day, training camp, preseason games, all of it, it is coming between now and the next show that you will hear a week from today. So this is the time after a a long, it was a long summer. It was a long summer with, quite frankly, not a whole lot going on as it related to the Celtics because they didn't have to do much. There were tons of rumors. We all know that. And we all know, will LeBron wind up with Boston? Will Kawhi Leonard get traded to the Celtics? On down the list. But the most important thing in deciding to run it back as Danny Ainge has is that everybody is healthy. Gordon Hayes. Hayward, healthy. Kyrie Irving, healthy. Even Daniel Tice. Yeah, that's probably the only time you'll hear his name on this show today, but he is healthy as well. So there's reason to be excited about this team. Preseason play, it's right around the corner. We're going to dive right into all of it very, very quickly with the regular season coming up in just under a month, all right? It's been a little while, and I include last year in that, saying that, you know, we didn't quite know. Expectations were high, but we didn't totally know, even when everyone was healthy going into last year, what to expect from this Celtics team. But now that we know, now that we saw what this team can do last year without two All-Stars playing minutes away from reaching the NBA Finals and the Warriors, and now that there's so much development, younger guys have taken the next step, Jalen Brown, certainly Jason T. 
Tatum and that you do get those All-Stars back and Al Horford does a little bit of everything and Marcus Smart's back and no contractual concerns. Brad Stevens managing egos, managing the roster, managing rotations. This is the time. There's no more debate. This team is good championship contender level good as in if they don't wind up playing in the nba finals in june this season in all likelihood should be considered a disappointment so what are we keeping an eye on when it comes to training camp what are we watching for in the weeks ahead before the regular season begins we've got an expert we always do that's how this show works subscribe to celtics beat on itunes leave us a comment leave us a rating you can check out shows on the clns youtube page as well and get all the sound be it brad stevens wick grossbeck the golf tournament and anything else that you hope to find leading up to the season media avails all of it which are right around the corner but without further ado let's bring in tom westerholm covers the celtics for mass live and uh, tom finally it's time media day is monday first training camp practice tuesday then the first of four preseason games is friday in charlotte so i hope you got plenty of rest over the summer because time (laughs) to get back to the grind big guy yeah, I mean, uh, after the after the summer previously, uh, you know, you're expecting a little bit less rest in the summer. So actually, this summer was pretty good. Got to uh, got to relax a little bit, and uh, you know, sort of sort of ramp up for the for the kind of crazy year that's coming. All right, well, let's cut to the chase here. We can circle back to camp, but when the exhibition games begin, it's two against the Hornets, two against the Cavaliers, all over the course of nine nights, so we'll all be pretty busy during that stretch. How are you expecting <laughs> Brad Stevens to handle those games? For instance, will Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward play every single game since, of course, one, it's a shorter preseason that came into play last year, and also there's just so little time to get these guys acclimated to playing together all over again. There is. I, I would be surprised if they played the last one. Uh, I think generally that's kind of a chance for, you know, maybe some of the guys who, who sign training camp deals or whatever to, to get some minutes and, and either, you know, um, show themselves for future contracts down the road or whatever it might be, just to kind of have a little bit of a bigger stage. Um, I would be surprised if they played those nights. But I do think that there will be some significant time, you know, for these guys. I mean, Hayward hasn't played in a year like he needs to get himself back into like full game playing shape and you know Kyrie hasn't played since March so yeah I mean getting some real NBA action under their uh you know behind them would be really big and I think you know it, some of these guys I, I do think that as the season goes on they're going to be able to play themselves into shape a little bit and they're going to have a chance to you know sort of they don't necessarily need wins right at the start of the season to establish themselves like they can kind of coalesce over the first two months and, and be just fine um so i wouldn't i wouldn't say they necessarily need everybody to be at a hundred percent you know just perfect clicking perfect organization everything but i do think that it will benefit you know some of the stars to to get some to get some real run against you know players who are actually competing that is one thing that's true about the early season stretch uh, i remember i was talking to sean grandy on the show i don't know couple few weeks ago whatever it was and he was outlining that I I think out of the first 13 14 games of the year nine are on the road and so (laughs) if you know if they begin yeah bad travel for you but if they if they begin (laughs) say nine and four nine and five whatever that mark is but you're so road heavy to start obviously that's a situation where I mean you, you can't complain that's a good positive start even though some people may react as though the sky's falling 100%. One hundred percent, and you know the the other thing about it is just again as they as they coalesce as everybody gets used to playing with Gordon Hayward for will will basically be the first time you know they'll they'll get better and better. So yeah, I mean I think you know a slightly slower start is certainly not the end of the world, and you know I don't I really don't expect it. I mean there are a lot of away games, but you know some of those games are 
um, you know, slightly weaker teams and, you know, winnable ones. So I, I don't necessarily think, I don't think they're going to go, you know, seven and six in their first 13 or anything. But if they did, it really would not be the end of the world because this is a team that is not, you know, built for November wins. It's a team that's hoping to be playing, you know, into June. So I, I think that as, you know, as they progress, as they come together a little bit, they will obviously get a lot better. And, and I think that, you know, at the end of the season, we may start to see, you know, a team that, that really is ready to do some postseason damage. Do you think Brad's already kind of worked out the rotations in his head at this point? I mean, to me, he's he's sort of like that gif we always see on Twitter, Zach Galifianakis and Hangover when he's running the numbers at the blackjack table. <laughs> yeah, no, I think, you know, he's he's talked a little bit about that. I, I do think that he is, um, you know, cognizant of the challenges that he has coming up here because, you know, he's going to, you know, not only is he going to have to try to, you know, build really good lineups that can beat other teams, like with the second unit, with, you know, with the third rotation, whatever it might be. Um, he's also got to keep everybody happy. I mean, this is a team that is full of players who could start on other teams. And, you know, I'm not even just talking about, you know, the, the Jalen, you know, Jason Tatum, like those guys. You, know, you go down the bench, it's like you want Marcus Morris to be able to contribute, assuming that he sticks with the team. And, you know, because he's, he's a very productive player. He, he's very useful against certain matchups, and you don't want him to be upset with his lack of playing time. You know, you want Terry Rozier to continue to develop. You don't want him to, um, you know, sort of fall off of this growth curve that he's been on because he's been really good over the last couple of years. So that's going to be really complicated. I mean, Brad is much smarter um, than us. You yeah, know? Than so most I think, people, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's accurate. So, uh, you know, I think that he will have – um, you know, he'll have a plan, and I, I assume that he will be talking about that and sort of outlining it with his players. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be definitely sort of a complicated situation for him to sort of unravel. So you wrote an article recently, a dozen storylines to watch during camp. It's part of the reason why you're here. All these other bums that are just, you know, saving every priceless minute they've got before camp kicks off or tips <laughs> off. You're already thinking ahead. And of course, I, I say that lovingly about the other guys, many of whom are often on the show. But, uh, the, you know, the top one, we already hit on it a little bit, is obviously Hayward's health. He spoke to the media recently. This is what he had to say about his feelings. I'm basically 100%. There's, there's certain things that I think are going to take time, even if I was 100% healthy, not 100% as far as basketball-wise, just because I haven't played in a year. So trying to figure those things out. You know, the last step for me is, as far as from a physical standpoint, is like the little explosion, that little last juice bounce that you get. And so that's going to take maybe the longest time, but for the most part, I feel very good. So, of course, I say his feelings in part because he's feeling better physically and, of course, the whole daddy's always happy thing. But great. So how, how Tom, does all of that translate to the court, everything that he just talked about? And how does adding an all-star who hasn't played in a year impact team chemistry, you think? Well, that's going to be one of the most interesting questions, at least at the start of the season. Um, I think so. A couple of things about that. I think that Hayward is one of the rare stars who is not only built to fit in nicely into a system, but also he's, you know, I think he's mentally ready to fit into a system. He's, you know, everybody knows kind of what this team did last year and how good the young players are. Everybody knows how good Kyrie Irving is and that Al Horford is sort of the staple of the team at this point. Um, and I think Hayward fits perfectly into that. You know, I think that he's the kind of player who isn't necessarily going to demand that he gets 27 points a game, you know, on however many shots. Like, I think if he goes out and he has 19, 8, and 9 or something like that, like, he's going to have a really good night, um, and, you know, and he will sort of appreciate that. And you'll be able to, to go to him at the end of a game if you need to. You'll be able to, 
um, you know, just get, you know, a 10 points in however many minutes stretch in the third quarter or whatever it might be. Um, he's capable of doing all those things, and that's part of what makes him so valuable to this team. Um, as far as his health, I mean, we just kind of have to wait and see. I think the biggest thing to me is going to be how confident he is and how quickly it, and how long it takes him to really regain all of his confidence because, you know, that's a really traumatic injury, and I think anybody would excuse him for being a little nervous any time that he cut back door and went up for a lob, you know, going forward or whatever it might be, or any time that he, you know, crosses over or, you know, kind of has to test that ankle. And he says that he's been fine. Um, and, and if that's the case, then that's, you know, fantastic. But I do think that anybody could kind of see why he would be a little bit hesitant, um, you know, maybe at the start of the year. And I think that'll go away, um, you know, as he continues to progress, if it even is there at the start. But that'll be, I think, the thing to watch is just how confident is he testing that ankle and, and really kind of showing his explosiveness. So I don't know or recall where you stood on Gordon Hayward throughout last year after he suffered that injury, but knowing all that we know now and the fact that he's only just started playing five-on-five five in the last couple of weeks, does it sort of amaze you thinking back that we spent, and it's the royal <laughs> we, that we spent so much time last season debating whether or not he'd be able to come back and make an impact even before the postseason? Yeah, I ended up being both right and wrong because I thought <laughs> Didn't we all? He, I, Right. Well, I thought that he wouldn't come back, so I was right about that. But I thought that the reason he wouldn't come back is because the Celtics didn't have a chance to go to the finals, and then actually <laughs> they had a great chance to go to the finals. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's 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 really funny to look back on. He, it, I mean, the, the man shattered his ankle. Like, that thing right. was so bad. There was it, it was kind of unreasonable to, to expect him to come back. But, again, you know, I mean, all, all, the, all the rationale was there to consider it. I mean, they went – about as long as they could have to, to give him a chance to come back. But, yeah, I mean, it would have been it would have been pretty tough to come back for the postseason. Now, as you said, I mean, he shattered his ankle, and it was gruesome. You know, to this day, he said he hasn't watched the clip. Plenty of people won't watch the clip. I don't get queasy over it. But it it is kind of nuts, I think, how the narrative just took off of, like, people were eulogizing. <laughs> it was it, like, <laughs> you would think he, he died. He's, you know, career-ending injury. Like, in the big picture, the injury that he suffered is not one that everyday people do not suffer you know it it doesn't happen every day but it happens to regular people it sucks it's a setback he missed a year but I think we should all recognize and this goes back to what you were saying earlier about how perfectly fit he is for this system but also how talented he is as a player that you know he should be able to come back and in time once he gets that confidence and and gets comfortable again and gets his conditioning up and all the things that you have to do when you miss a year of basketball he should should be the same old Gordon Hayward. I don't think we should be looking at him as though he's trying to recover from, I don't know, even a torn ACL is obviously much more significant than what it is that he experienced. Uh, at least uh, in, in my view it is. Maybe I'm wrong about that. No, I think you're right. I mean, I think Paul George is, is the really good example here where a guy had a gruesome broken bone type of injury and then was able to you know come back and be an all-star and, and be like a max level guy. I mean, Obviously, you can't know how a guy is going to react to, or like, you know, how just an injury is going to manifest itself on a player. Um, you know, so it, it, I mean, it is possible still, but I, I think you're, um, that, it, that it could affect him. But I think you're right. I mean, it's, it's a traumatic injury. It, it hurt him, obviously. You're glad that he got through all the rehab because that's, a, that's tough for anybody to go through. Um, but also, you kind of think like, you know, this is something that he can recover from. I think. You know, as sort of a side note, I think the scariest injury that happened to the Celtics last year was Jalen's um, concussion when sure. he dunked and he came down so hard. And, like, you know, you just genuinely were 
for a minute there truly kind of like afraid for for him like this could be something really serious and then obviously we were all very happy that he got up and walked it off but I mean to me that's that's almost scarier. I mean, the, the Hayward thing, it's like, he's going to recover. He's going to be okay. And you know, he'll get back on the basketball court. So, um, you know, you definitely hope that, uh, that, that he again, kind of feels confident and feels good going forward, but it does kind of seem like the type of injury that somebody comes back from and sort of puts in their rear view mirror and is able to, to go back out there and, you know, just get back, you know, to where they were before. No, you're right on that Jalen injury. I, I remember tweeting out at the time when it happened, because like, most other people I'm sitting there and I'm watching that game and I got a lot of flack because it's Twitter and you just get a lot of flack but uh, in the big picture it was probably a mixed bag I remember saying that and feeling that looked just so much worse than the Hayward injury is as, as ugly as the broken leg was and and seeing your foot pointed in the direction it's not supposed to go the immediate reaction obviously of Jalen hitting the floor and dazed and foggy and the way they were trying to get him up and just the look yeah. on his face the eyes rolling back I mean that was, as you said, incredibly frightening. The fact that he was able to return at all last postseason, let alone come back and do what he was able to do, is remarkable. Yeah, I mean, it's you, you just genuinely, you know, feel re- like real relief the second that he stands up after something like that, because that's, you know, that that that's completely different. I mean, you know, Hayward, like, you know, landed on his leg, like Jalen just kind of landing on his neck like that is just horrifying and I mean it's actually something that I, I tweeted about the other day because I was I went back and watched some like you know Jalen footage and you know when he when he goes up for dunks he, he dunks so hard sometimes that he throws himself off balance in midair mm. and I was just kind of like you know I, I really hope that he just kind of dials it back just 10% <laughs> this year because like you know you know you don't want him to land like that again so yeah well, so injury, injury, injury. I mean, we saw that Irving <laughs> clip online, dominant in his pickup action in Miami, the usual finesse with the ball. Are there any lingering concerns for you over that knee, or were those kind of wiped away even just seeing a short clip like that? It's, it's funny because, you know, you, you hear everybody talking about, like, well, he's had all these knee, you know, knee problems to this point, and he, he certainly has had several procedures, but they all seem to have stemmed from the same thing. So, like, I'm not a doctor, but I, I personally am not that worried about it just because he broke his knee in 2015 and every problem since has stemmed from that and all the problems have been somewhat predictable because it's like well at some point he was going to need to get the hardware removed and then you know the the bacteria thing was scary obviously but you know it, it seems to have resolved itself and it seems to me um again very much not a doctor that now all of the knee problems you know that all, all of the at least foreseeable, uh, you know, consequences uh, of that procedure have been remedied. So, you know, I don't know, but to me, I, I think that you can probably expect that need to be pretty good this year. And, you know, hopefully they, they, you know, the tension wire that was causing him all the discomfort, you know, kind of as the season went along last year has been, it is gone now. And, you know, that was supposedly going to be fixed by the time the playoffs rolled around. The Celtics were really optimistic that he was going to come back before the bacteria infection. So, I think he's going to be really good. I, I think he's, I don't know, you know, he's had other injuries in the past, but I think that's been overblown a little bit just because it all, again, stemmed from the same one. And now, you know, that should all be resolved. I don't, you know, I'm a little uncomfortable with that one because I don't know anything, but that's just my impression from, you know, reading all of the reports and everything is that when everything is fixed with that knee, then hopefully, you know, he's able to just kind of stay on the court. 
I don't know anything either. I just fake it. It's a lot more fun that way. <laughs> just, you know, play play a doctor on a podcast, I guess. Right. Uh, all, be- of, all of the pressure, none of the, uh, none of the money. And none of the responsibility either. <laughs> right, yeah, that's true. We'll get right back to Tom. I want to tell you, though, today's show is brought to you by Calm Balm, the newest innovation in relaxation. Do you suffer from chronic pain and or anxiety? Do you want to take your R&R to the next level? Well, try out a Calm Balm today. How's it different from other bath bombs? Well, first, it's made with a patented cannabis oil, which allows the skin to better absorb the CBS. It offers maximum relief to people with chronic pain and anxiety. The high-quality CBD opens up your pores for maximum absorption. They're 100% vegan, organic, cruelty-free bath bombs made right in Boston. Another good thing about Calm Bombs, $5 of your purchase goes directly to families in need. Calm Bomb is starting a revolution in relief. Its revolutionary formula ensures the CBD is fully absorbed and every box sold helps struggling moms by donating $5 to charity. Calm Bomb is now searching for the crowdfunding partners. The donations inexpensive and rewards are long lasting. And now for a limited time, my listeners can get Calm Bombs at a huge discount by going to buybombshelpmoms.com and clicking on the Indiegogo page. All right, let's get back to Tom. Obviously, I, I have to hit on this, although admittedly, I'm a little tired of this story already. But a new wrinkle, Jimmy Butler has requested, borderline demanded a trade out of Minnesota. He says, and really the Timberwolves don't have to give a crap what he says, but he wants to go to either the Clippers, the Knicks, or the Nets. And we'll see how this thing plays out. But the natural tie-in, especially with all the noise that we've been talking about for weeks or months, is do Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler actually want to play together? I remember on a, a show not too long ago, I I had Alex Kennedy on from Hoopsype. He told me that much of that was coming from Butler's camp, as he understood it, and not Irving's, that Irving's actually pretty happy in Boston. But I'll ask you, if, in fact, Butler winds up with one of those New York teams, be it now or in free agency a year from now, does this new situation impact Kyrie Irving? You know, I've so my impression is the same as Alex's, um, that a lot of this is coming more from that side of things. Um, but... You know, it's hard to say with Kyrie. He's he's kind of an enigmatic dude in the first place. Um, you know, he he kind of marches to the beat of his own drum, and you know that that's just kind of the way that he's always been. Um, I will say, I think that the Celtics probably shouldn't like worry about this yet, just because they have an entire season in which they are expected to be a real contender, in which they're expected to be just you know one of the best teams in the NBA, and Kyrie gets to be in just the perfect situation where he has teammates who can, you know, lift him up, but also he gets to be the top dog, like the guy on this team. He gets to be the guy on a potential championship contender. So, you know, to me, it's like, sure, like you can start to trace the timeline if you want to, and I I don't think it's completely unreasonable to do so. Like, yes, okay, like Jimmy Butler, if he goes to New York and, you know, the Knicks have Butler and Porzingis comes back and he looks good, then there's like a fit there. But I don't think that it's, you know, I don't think that it's panic time by any stretch of the imagination. I think that the Celtics have plenty of time to show Kyrie, like, look, this is the perfect situation for you. Um, you know, all like you can, you, perfect basketball situation. You'll get paid in the summer. You know, all of your interests are, you know, achievable in Boston. You know, you get to be part of a legendary franchise. To me, all of that stuff is just so attractive. Well, the other thing, too, Tom, and I feel like nobody has really acknowledged this, is don't you remember when he 
first came to Boston and you had that introductory press conference with he and Gordon Hayward and he was talking about, and there were reports as well, about how much he wanted to play with Hayward and how he tried to recruit him to Cleveland before LeBron ultimately came back. And unless this is like that meme that we always see modified online where it's Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward walking down the street and then the guy turns his head back and he's looking at Jimmy Butler walking by, Jimmy Butler's (laughs) the other girl here. Unless that's the situation, then I would think especially in a championship contending situation, even though we know Irving wanted out of that win with LeBron, but this is a very different one. He would be pretty content being with Gordon Hayward, a guy that he wanted to play with, especially now that he actually gets to do it, unlike last year. Right, and I think, you know, definitely the impression is that he's very excited to get a chance to play with Gordon. And then, like you said, he has himself said he wanted to play with him from the jump. Like, so... I, and that's kind of where it comes back to a lot of this maybe coming from Jimmy Butler because, um, or just from his camp, because it really does make. I mean, even if the Knicks assembled Butler and Kyrie and Porzingis, I, I, you know that team. I like it's a very good team. Don't get me wrong, and and you know I think they put themselves right in the class of, you know, the Sixers and and maybe the uh, you know maybe the Kyrie-less Celtics. Maybe they're right there, but I mean that's that's. The Celtics with Kyrie look like a team that could truly challenge Golden State. I don't think that Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving, and Kristaps Porzingis are challenging Golden State. I think people are making, I was tweeting about this, I think people are making way too big a deal out of the whole Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving want to play together angle, as obviously we've talked a little bit about. But I do think the one thing that I feel like we really don't know with Kyrie Irving, the only thing that would make me or should make anyone else nervous as a Celtic fan about whether he stays beyond this coming season is we don't know how important winning is to Kyrie. He's won a championship. He's been there. He's done that. Is it something that is the top priority for him, even still at this stage of his career, and that's the environment he wants to be in, or is it more about fit and the guys that he's with? You know, we don't know if New York and being closer to home is more important to him than, say, being with a contender. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely wonder about that. The thing I will say about Kyrie, um, obviously, you know, he left Cleveland, um, and I think, you know, you could make the case that, you know, Cleveland was obviously the absolute favorite to go to the finals from the East and he, and he left like a winning situation with LeBron. But, you know, we saw in the playoffs that the Celtics had a real chance to take down LeBron, um, even without Kyrie. Mm-hmm. So presumably, he, you know, they would have had a chance with him. And, you know, I think that there's a real chance that he saw the writing on the wall the same way everybody else did with LeBron. So, you know, he wanted to leave there. So, um, I, it's, the thing about Kyrie is that he is really, really competitive. Um, if you, you know, post game, whatever, like, you know, after a loss, it's, you can, you can just kind of tell that, you know, he, he is a very competitive guy. And, I don't know, man. You know, Uncle Drew there's... gave up the shot at the end. <laughs> True. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I think, uh, you know, like you'll see it in a game too. It's like, he'll go, he'll get a basket on somebody at the start of the game. And I think, you know, other people have talked about this too, but he'll get a bucket to start the game just to show a guy like, I can do this whenever I want. And then he'll start passing because, you know, he's going to get everybody else involved. And he just likes to have that edge over people at the start of the game that like, well, you, you can't stop me. Um, and, you know, I think that that speaks to kind of that competitive nature. So, you know, maybe going home is important to him. You know, maybe, maybe it is, I, I don't know, but I do know that he's a competitive guy. And I think that that, you know, will certainly at least to a certain extent play in the Celtics favor, just because, 
you know, he wants to win, and this team is going to win a whole lot this year. I do know that to a certain degree I feel badly for you and your other media brethren who are in the locker room every single day because this is a story that I would love to just go away, and the season hasn't yeah. even started yet, and it's going to be a constant talking point. Well, I will say the nice thing is going to be there's going to be media day. There is going to be a lot of um, – <laughs> A lot of people who aren't always around the team who are going to ask these questions, and it's going to be a little uncomfortable, and then we're going to get into the day-to-day stuff uh, with the beat, and it's going to be a whole lot easier because none of us none of us want to ask him about that. I don't think anybody's <laughs> going to. You know, He actually gave us the permission structure to, uh, at an interview earlier this year to say, you know, he's like, yeah, just one question a day about my free agency. And we were like, dude, we don't want one question a day about yeah. your free agency. That's a lot of questions about your free agency. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, it'll be it, – it'll go away. I mean, September storylines have a way of resolving themselves before – when October rolls around. Something else that you had in your preview of training camp and things to watch. What kind of jumps do you expect to see from Jalen and in year three for him, from Jason Tatum as a sophomore? Because in recent past, we've been able to get kind of a sneak peek during summer league of what guys look like and what they've been working on. That wasn't the case for those two this year for obvious reasons. So what are you thinking? You can start with Jalen, who uh, recently even worked out with Tracy McGrady. What kind of jump do you think he makes in year three after such a big year one to year two jump, given that there's so much health now, presumably on the wing, and the responsibility might not be the same? Yeah, so I think the interesting thing with Jalen to watch is going to be how his handle progresses and how he progresses at, you know attacking off the bounce. Um, he... I think he's a little bit underrated in that regard. He has always kind of been able to handle, you know, from in, in high school, he was always able to, you know, college, he, he showed some flashes. And I think the Celtics really only needed him as sort of a three and D guy as a rookie. And then he, you know, was a kind of a hyper talented three and D guy last year who, you know, mixed in a little bit here and there. And I think he's capable of more. So I think with Jalen, the most interesting thing is going to be how he handles additional ball handling responsibility, attacking off the wing, you know, sort of, creating for himself a little bit um even if it's just kind of attacking closeouts in a little bit more of a advanced fashion i think that'll be big um because if he can do that i mean you know he's he truly could be an all-star next year um you know he's he's that talented he's you know certainly that um athletically gifted um and i think we've just seen his work ethic over the last couple of summers is pretty limitless um and then that really bodes well for his future so I think just from a handle perspective, that could really vault him into the next level, you know, sort of the next tier uh, of, you know, NBA players. How about Tatum? The Kobe Bryant workout, Penny Hardaway just recently dominating kids at his camps, (laughs) all all that fun (laughs) stuff. But even his dad, I think, came out in an article recently and said, watch out for this kid in year two. I mean, the the, the expectations, we see it in the the national rankings, and we'll get to some of that in a second, but the the hype is so huge for the now 20-year-old Jason Tatum, not 19 anymore. The hype is so big. What do we expect year one to year two? Yeah, I mean, again, when you go back and watch some of the film and you just kind of see, especially as the playoffs went on and just kind of the additional responsibility, how he stepped into that role, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, I think one of the things to watch with him, I, I suspect, I I would be I would be stunned. Uh, I know there's been a lot of discussion about the starting lineup. I would be stunned if any of sort of the big five aren't in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Tatum would be a really good um, you know person to to bring to the bench early. And then, uh, you know, bring him back in with the second unit to just kind of crush people off the bench. Because I think he's going to be, obviously, since he can create his own shot, since he can hit threes, since he can get to the rim, um, you know, he can kind of create trips to the free throw line. I think all of that stuff is going to be very, very useful if, if he was in the second unit. So 
I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a little bit of that, um, just you know, giving him a chance to, to cook with the second unit after starting him. Um, one way or the other, I, I mean, it, it, the guy's pretty amazing. Uh, you know, I don't – it's kind of funny to be like, well, where do you think he's going to improve? Because it's like, well, let's see. Last year he hit threes. Um, he finished acrobatically around the rim. His handle is crazy tight for a 19-year-old who's 6'9". Got amazing footwork. He already defended really well. I mean, do you want to see him pick up like an extra 1.6 rebounds a game or something? Like, I, you know, it's, he's he's going to get better at everything. But you know, I don't know that there's one area that he needs to improve because you know he's already so good at everything. So I think just kind of general improvements from him are what's going to vault him from super promising rookie into. NBA star, and he's quite clearly on his way already. One more break to tell you today's show also brought to you by Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Every neighborhood has a heartbeat, a place that represents the cultural epicenter of the area at its core. And in Boston's historic North End, that place is Boston Barber and Tattoo Company. Boston Barber and Tattoo Company has become home to A-list Boston celebrities like Gordon Hayward, Aaron Baines, Brad Marchand. Boston Barber and Tattoo is more than just Boston's most well-known corner barber shop. It's also a tourist attraction for the Hundreds of thousands of people that visit the North End throughout the year. Boston Barber and Tattoo, a North End landmark located at 113 Salem Street. Okay, let's get back to Tom. Celtics are loaded. We know that. There is, uh, I saw Steve Bullpett right. I mean, there is, in terms of their reserve cast, never mind the starting lineup. And as you said, it shouldn't be any different than it was opening night last year in Cleveland. This team's as deep as as going back to mid-80s, really. It's it's pretty yeah. remarkable what Brad Stevens and Danny Ainge, for that matter, what these guys have to work with on this roster. But this will be the first time in, in a little while that we haven't had a rookie where there's all this hype. You know, it was Marcus Smart, sixth overall pick, third overall picks in the two guys we just talked about in Brown and Tatum, but now it's Robert Williams. Comes in at 27. There's already kind of a a laundry list of baggage and things that people are worried about, concerned about. Very well may not, probably won't even spend the entire year in Boston. He's probably ticketed for for Maine in the G League for half the season, but at least initially, come the start of camp, you expect him and Al Horford to be attached at the hip and going forward. what, What do you expect here? Yeah, he's really interesting. I think obviously there was the initial problems with just kind of, you know, being a being sort of an adult, which obviously that, you know, he's 20, so that'll happen. I think, you know, this this summer I think has been really big for him. I mean, Celtics have, you know, dedicated a lot of kind of time and energy into not only kind of showing him like, hey, this is what you need to do on the court to make it in the NBA, but also like these are the things that you need to do to be a responsible adult in the NBA. And you know, the last time we talked to him, he seemed to have taken a lot of that stuff to heart, um, which, you know, the Celtics have to really like to see. So, I mean, obviously, they, you know, you can't get a much better NBA mentor, especially as a big man, than Al Horford. I mean, the literally the consummate professional who always is, um, you know, willing to sacrifice for his team, who's always, you know, just kind of doing the right thing, um, both on and off the court. And Brad Stevens has said that before, that you just can't ask for somebody better um, on a young team than somebody like Horford. Um, but yeah, I mean, if if they can uh, if they can really get Williams to buy in on Horford's process, on just the consistency, um, Aaron Baines talked about that a bunch this summer, and just how um, you know how important that consistency is for both young and old players, just to you know to improve yourself, but also to maintain yourself. Um, I think that Horford will definitely be the player that the Celtics hope Williams looks up to the most, and then um, you know you kind of go from there. I think, like you said, he'll probably spend some time in Maine. Um, you know, hopefully he is able to learn from that because uh, the G League can be a, a tough situation for a young player. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he's uh, 
he's kind of saying all the right things now. Um, he, you know, hasn't been late for anything since that practice, so he <laughs> seems like he's doing okay. Hasn't lost um, his wallet well, at all. He still has that. Yeah, I mean, I can't confirm that, uh, but <laughs> <laughs> recent history would suggest he's at least misplaced it a couple of times. Right. But, uh, yeah, I mean, but yeah, I mean, he's two minutes from the facility. He's he's living, you know, real close to everything. He's doing all this stuff very intentionally to sort of you know, spur himself on. And I think that's a good sign. So NBA player rankings have been coming out in recent weeks and people are having fun just looking at those and judging those and how can you not? But Sports Illustrated, ESPN, they both released their top 100 rankings. SI seems to be more about past performance while ESPN kind of projects the future. That's the the big difference because we've seen some some wild disparities. Even look at Al Horford, for instance, the guy we were yeah. just talking about. 16 for SI, best player on the Celtics, 34 in ESPN. Now, to me, somewhere in the middle, like mid-20s, mid to late-20s, probably a little bit more appropriate if I'm, if I'm actually going through and bothering to rank a top 100, which I'm not. But it speaks to, <laughs> I, I think, how people just continue to view Horford so differently. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, he was he was the best player on that you know that playoff team. I, I think you know Tatum was obviously probably you call him the best scorer. Um, Jalen was obviously fantastic, but I mean Horford, the way that he defended everybody from Giannis to um, Joel Embiid, you know, just just everything that he did was so crucial for them winning those first two series. Um, so I think if you look at past performance, it's very reasonable to put him where they put him. I think. You know, you can definitely make the case that maybe Kyrie will be more impactful this year. Maybe Hayward will be more impactful this year. And, you know, maybe looking forward, that that might be the case. But, I mean, I don't think that there's anybody more crucial to a team than Al Horford right now. I mean, just, again, the Celtics are going to probably have to face the Sixers again in the playoffs. They're probably going to have to face, you know, they might have to face Giannis. And whenever they do, they're going to have somebody who can, at very least, you know, stay in those guys' way, contest them, make things difficult. And they're not always going to stop them because they're, you know, Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo, like these guys are really, really good. But um, having a guy that is as versatile as Al Horford and who also, you know, passes so well. I mean, that's, that's, that's the other thing that's really underrated about him is how he runs the offense for them, you know, from the top of the key. Like that's so crucial uh, to have a big man who can do that. And, I mean, that's why I would have him – you know, very high. I would have him a lot closer to 16 than I would in the, you know, mid thirties. And he's just so unbelievably valuable for a team that hopes to win a championship this year. And I think that, you know, really matters. We'll see. I mean, and we'll see how he ages. I think that he is very responsible with his body. And I think that's going to come into, you know, come into play as the seasons go on here. But um, yeah, I think that it's to, to, to suggest that he is the most important Celtic is not, um, I don't know that that's going to be the case this year, but I don't think it's ridiculous at all. Yeah, I guess it all depends on how you define things, right? The most important Celtic can be different from the most talented Celtic or the best Celtic Certainly. or the best all-around Celtic. I mean, I've I've had that conversation with Cedric Maxwell, with Grandy, with a bunch of people about just how best overall player on the Celtics when you consider two-way play to me is Gordon Hayward. You know, it's yeah. that's at least if fully healthy, and we'll see if he is. But people will clap back at that and look at Kyrie Irving because the offense is just so superior to anyone else's offense that the lapses on defense are not so significant that you wouldn't still have him number one. So we could go in circles on that. That's what's fun about sports and debates and all of that. But some of the other things that you had in your article that people should check out, we won't dive into all of it. Some of it we've touched on, the other important areas and concerns going into camp, the scary 
Terry Rozier, not that he likes being called that evidently, that he's how he's going to respond to coming off the bench. Marcus Morris is fit. And we can wait on issues like that, I think, because they're going to take time to play out and, and see what the health is of this team and what the rotations are and all of that. Not unlike how it's going to take time to see what Kawhi Leonard's comfort in Toronto looks like or the landscape of the East with LeBron gone, all of it. One thing I, I don't really want to dive into is the Jabari Bird situation. Evan Valenti, I thought, filling in for me last week, did a great job on that with Jared Weiss. But if Bird is cut, and I do believe that's the direction ultimately this is going to go, are the C's going to target Jamal Crawford? He's clearly interested. He's, you know, maybe even at 38 years old and 18-year vet, maybe a good fit. The numbers aren't as good in recent years shooting from three, and I don't know about his handle if that's, you know, what it once was. But is he the kind of guy that you would add to the end of this bench and, and see if you can help get him that ring? Or is that just kind of a maybe a pipe dream on, on Crawford's part? It would be kind of a tough fit, at least from my impression, just because, I mean, the thing that Crawford brings the best is his ability to go get a bucket. And he, because he doesn't defend anymore, he never really did in the first place. Um, you know, like you said, his three-point shooting has kind of fallen off. And obviously he can get super hot and just hit ridiculous shots. I mean, he's, he's an incredibly talented player, you know, going back to that debate about um, talent versus importance. But, I mean, he's incredibly talented. But I don't know how much he helps a team win in, you know, in 2018. Um, and I think that that would be sort of the focus. I think the Celtics would probably be more likely to wait until, um, you know, either wait until the buyout market or wait until something perfect comes along and just kind of keep an open roster spot um, if that were to happen. Just because, again, when you kind of go through the team, they're going to be able to stagger Gordon Hayward, Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Terry Rozier, all guys who can go get their own bucket, who can all, you know, go score in some way, especially, you know, shot clock's winding down, game clock's winding down, it's a big moment. They've got guys who can go do that. And, in fact, in Kyrie, they have probably the best player um, in the NBA at doing that, you know, depending on how you feel about Kyrie versus KD in isolation situations. So um, I don't know that Crawford necessarily fills a role um, on this team, especially given that he doesn't really defend anymore. So I, I would be a little bit surprised. I mean, obviously, you know, the Celtics do like guys who are very talented, who can go get their own bucket. They, they love those type of guys. So you know, maybe just having another one, maybe just, you know, we saw last year, Kadeem Allen had to start a game, you know, for the Celtics because of all the injuries. And maybe just kind of having that extra guy just in case, you know, you know midway through February things go wrong for a couple of weeks. Maybe having that guy is, like, super useful. Um, I could could see that as well. But personally, I would be a little bit surprised, and I would not be shocked if they just kind of waited, you know, and looked at what was coming down the line and just kind of played the long game a little bit with that. Knowing this team is so talented, is so deep, has so few holes, is there, and and you can equate it if you want to, a guy who exists in the league that maybe is not currently available and could foreseeably, I guess, be around that buyout market, or even if he's not, just the type of player who's clearly not an all-star, someone who's attainable. Is there someone out there that you feel like this guy would be a perfect fit on this team because this is one area that they could stand to improve a little bit? It's a really good question because, I mean, they obviously with the wings and the guards and, you know, they're, they're so stocked, you know, they're so tough at every position. I think you could make a case um, that like maybe they could use, you know, another uh, a, a more productive big man than Greg Monroe. Um, obviously, that you know, they kind of went that direction last mm-hmm. year with him and, and, you know, he didn't really work out too well. Um, but I, I, I mean, Although the hope is Robert then, Williams is that guy. Right. I mean, that's that's what I was just going to say. You know, the hope is that then, the, you know, the guy that you re-signed this summer, Aaron Baines and Robert Williams, obviously, that you drafted uh, are able to help out with that. So 
maybe the perfect fit is like a young guy who they could, you know, hope to develop, you know, and obviously not like a top flight lottery pick, but maybe a young guy that you liked in the draft and you didn't have a chance to pick. Spark plug um, energy you know. off the bench kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, somebody that you could hope to develop down the line, you know, somebody that you could, you know, pay a cheap contract to maybe. Um, so Yeah, you do almost wonder if it's, and it wouldn't be this guy, but if it's a Shane Larkin type, or is Brad mm-hmm. Wanamaker going to come in and be that guy? You know, they're in a situation where, and this won't happen because it doesn't happen, but where they're perfectly healthy all throughout, they have so many options, they're so versatile, they can do so many things. You're right, it's it's hard to figure out sort of what that need is, short of just saying, hey, we'd love more, as Danny always says, I feel like Danny's go-to, and it's not a criticism because it's just something you want in the league, I feel like his go-to is, well, we could use more scoring on the wings and more three-point shooting. <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. well... Yeah, you you could, but you know where where do you ultimately find that? So yeah, I don't think saying the buyout market and playing the long game is a cop out. I don't. So you shouldn't beat yourself up over that because you know when guys are going to get hurt, and so what this roster looks like right now, everyone's hundred percent healthy, getting ready to start camp in a couple of days, versus what the team is going to look like when they're already however many months into a grueling year, and it's early February. It's different. There's no denying that. So uh, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, Tom Westerholm, thank you for uh, listening to me blabber on, providing all your own insights as well, because this is the time. Finally, after after a full <laughs> summer of shows and debates and previews, now we can actually get to the interesting stuff, which is basketball. So I appreciate you hopping on and uh, try and get a, a little free time wherever you can find it. <laughs> absolutely, man. Yeah, we're a week away. It's pretty crazy. Thanks for having me on. Always enjoyed talking to Tom. Really great stuff from Tom Westerholm from Mass Live. With that, we're going to get out of here. But uh, next week, when we're doing this this show, a week from now, we're already going to be looking at the preseason and camp. And we'll have heard from everyone at Media Avails. And basketball's back, everybody. I don't need to tell you to get excited because I know you already are. Episode 281 featuring Tom Westerholm is brought to you by Calm Bomb. Right now, my listeners, for a limited time, can get their Calm Bombs at a huge discount by going to their website buybombshelpmoms.com and clicking on the Indiegogo page. Thanks also to Boston Barber. Thanks to everyone at CLNS. Most importantly, though, thanks to you. Without you, there's no show and I have more free time on my hands, so maybe I shouldn't thank you all that much. But I do enjoy doing this. Get me on Twitter. Let's debate as we always do at Adam M. Kaufman. If you'd feel so kind, so generous, subscribe on iTunes at Celtics Beat. You can catch us on Stitcher and the CLNS YouTube page as well, but go to iTunes, subscribe to Celtics Beat, leave a five-star rating. That would be great. A comment just to let us know how you're enjoying the show. That'd be terrific as well. All right, Gino, get us out of here. Let's get to preseason play already. Preseason play already.